unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. We went into the church and I sat down, closed my eyes as I intended. I wasn't listening to the person talking or the, the songs. I was just sitting there quietly. And in that moment, I had no explanation for it. My mind, this fog that had been around me for so long, it just cleared. And for the first time in years, I was thinking crystal clearly. And not only was I thinking crystal clearly, I was stone sober. Hey everybody, welcome back to Saints Unscripted. We're back with Leaf. This is part two in our Leaf series. But in part one, we left off on kind of a cliffhanger. We got a little bit of background uh, on your conversion story. We're not to the conversion part yet, though. We're getting there. You have suffered some extreme bullying through through um, your early teens, and uh, now you're you're kind of on a spiritual journey in high school. Well, you just graduated high yeah. school, right? Yeah. Well, not now, but in the story <laughs> where we left off. Is that true? That's Is that true. where we left I, off. Yeah, I just graduated. Was working and living out on my own, going to school. And this is where my story continues. So, and as I had said previously, you know, I definitely struggled in the dating aspect. And when I was 17, I met a girl who was a member of the church and we had dated for a while. And her mother found out that I wasn't a member, of course, and had a very strong reaction to that. In fact, she called the cops on me. What? Stop! At at my work. I was 17, and they showed up to my work, and they literally just told me that this mother wanted me to stop seeing their daughter. Oh, my God. That's it? Oh, my gosh. Like, you, you, there was nothing you actually did. It was just that you weren't a member, and she just didn't like that. Yeah, she... Oh, my gosh. So, and of course, I'm young. I'm in love, and I want to... not the wisest person in the world yet. <laughs> so I get this idea in my head. Okay, I'm going to let things kind of cool down. I'm going to go to their home. I will dress in my Sunday best, dress nice. And I will go and I will just have a conversation with her mom. So she can see that I'm not a bad person. You know, that's, I had this whole plan I was going to do. Very mature. So I do that. I go to their home and I show up. And this was only two weeks later. The house is empty. There's a for sale sign in the front yard. Everything is gone. I look in the windows. The furniture is gone. The cars are gone. They are just gone. No. This sounds like the Truman Show. Yeah. I think I'm mixed up in something. Mixed up in what? There's no point trying to explain it, but a lot of strange things have been happening. I am just confused and perplexed because I hadn't heard anything. And so we had had a mutual friend who was really close to me. So I was asking her if she knew what had happened and she hadn't heard anything. And her mother was actually a really close friend of mine. She was like a second mom. Like she was just one of those people who just grow up and like they're just amazing people. And she actually worked for the NSA, I found out. And where is this going? (laughs) she She gets on the phone and starts making phone calls. And she finds out that there was no forwarding mailing address from the move. And that the only information that was even given was that there was somebody with a last name that lived down in a city called Gunlock who had had a, a 
like a occupancy change of address. And that was the only clue we had. And I was like, where's Gunlock? Because I'd never heard of it before. I'm sure most people haven't either. Yeah, I so, haven't. <laughs> if you know where St. George is and you drive northwest into the desert about two hours, you will find Gunlock. Okay. It is a one-mile town, one road, one gas station, one church with houses on either side. And this woman, this mom, handed me the keys to her $60,000 van and said, go find her. It's like, okay. And so I grabbed the keys. I drove the van. I picked up one of my friends. And I was like, road trip. <laughs> and we drove. And this was before Google Maps. This was actual maps. We got lost a couple times yeah. trying to find this place. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's well, a lake right there. Right I think it knows where it is going. This is the the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not me. There's no room here. And we drove down there, and I went to their door, and I saw her van. And I, and I was, again, Sunday best. I had this whole plan in my head. I was going to talk to her. Same plan. <laughs> and again, not the wisest person in the world yet, but I was young. <laughs> and I go and I knock on the door. No answer. And my friend's still sitting in the van, just waiting. I'm like, okay. Um... Well, <laughs> all right, so we, there's a reservoir down the road. We decided to go down to this lake and just kind of wait a couple hours. We're like, okay, the plan is we'll go back and we'll knock. And if nobody answers, we'll leave a note. Because at least then I can say I tried. I felt like I had to at least try. And so I go, I knock on the door, no answer. I guess this is before and, the era of text yeah, messages. Yeah, Much. that's true. And so I sat down on the porch, and right there, I began writing a letter to her mom. And I was halfway through the letter when I hear the door open behind me. And I stand up, and I turn around, and there is her mom. With a look of shock, quickly replaced by a look of anger. And I stood there like a statue as she just screamed at me for five straight minutes. I could just feel my friend sitting in the band doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and I just stood there and I just let her yell at me. I just, I wasn't emotional, I wasn't angry, I just stood there. And I was like, better get her out of her system. And all of a sudden she got really calm. And she's like, I have to commend you for whatever lengths you must have gone through to find us, because we left because of you. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's a new one. Gee. So here's the deal. You are not a member of the church. And as of right now, you can't date my daughter. So if you want to date my daughter, you need to join the church. You need to serve a two-year mission. And when you come back, if my daughter's still single, you can date my daughter. That's okay. a lot to ask. <laughs> so I nodded. In, in my, I'm sure my head was doing this and my inner head was doing this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Respectfully, turn around, and I got back in the van, and I drove home. And I, at least, you know, in my head, I'm like, no way, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least I felt like I tried. Like, I gave it my all. So I, I had that going with me. So I drove home. I dropped off my friend at his place. I dropped off the van. I walked home to my apartment, and I just sat on my couch. I was all alone. It was like a big sofa, and I just sat there, with my hands between my legs, and. And at this point, I had not prayed in maybe five or six years. 
And as I was sitting there and I just very casually, I just kind of looked up and like, all right, God, <laughs> well, long time no see. Uh, here's the deal. Should I get baptized so I can just not be alone? Like basically can be with someone. I'm so tired of being alone. Should I just get it over with, get baptized to get it, you know, and I didn't really expect an answer. I was just, it was a very sincere question. And I was, I was sitting there, much to my surprise, I got an answer. And it was the most earth shattering, no. And it was not just a voice in my head, it was audible. And it was stern. And it was completely and utterly, overwhelmingly filled with love. And it was so far out of me, it felt like I understood the word no to the fiber of my being as if the cells of my body were vibrating with the understanding of the word no. And I went from sitting on the couch to being on my knees, weeping uncontrollably. I could not stop myself. I had no idea what was going on. I just was crying with this overwhelming sensation that had just encompassed the room I was in. It felt like a presence around me in the room and it completely was outside of anything I could understand. And as I was there crying, this little spark in my head, this little <laughs> thing said, hey, I think you got God on the line. You need to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and what I can only describe as ugly crying, <laughs> try to have a conversation. We And I was like, but if I, I don't do it, I'm going to be alone. Yeah, I won't get the girl. <laughs> and I just remember the words. It's not the right time. And it's not the right reason. And then the presence just slowly kind of felt like it just faded back. Like it just pulled away. But I was there. And I could not stop crying. I cried for over an hour uncontrollably with this presence that just overwhelmed every sense in my being. I was like, okay, I got my answer. No, okay. <laughs> well, eventually I had to get up and go back on with my life. I had, but I never forgot the words. It wasn't, it's the wrong choice. It wasn't anything like that. It was, I remember it's not the right time and it's not the right reason. And it was very clear. Okay. So I left it behind me and I just continued going on with my life. I'd already planned to join the military when I turned 18. So I turned 18, joined the army. I came back and 9-11 happened two months later. Uh-oh. <laughs> And I was immediately deployed, not overseas, not to a combat zone. I was deployed to Tooele Army Depot. Mm. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> For a year, guarding the desert, <gasps> sitting in the Utah desert, in a shack, or in a Humvee, guarding a chemical plant that was a high-value target, and it was a horrible year. <laughs> it was like, you know what Tula's like? It was worse back then. 
No offense to Twilix. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned 21 that year. And as part of the culture of being in the military at that time, and I didn't really grow up with the word of wisdom. You know, most of the members of my family were smokers and drinkers. I picked up smoking and drinking while I was there to cure the boredom. And in fact, I unfortunately drank a lot. I became a, almost basically an alcoholic out there. I remember I was living in this fog that I was walking through, and it just felt like this fog got darker and darker. And I would put on a show for people, like people would see me happy or you know, fun-loving. But I always, like internally, I just became numb to everything around me. Uh, that's Tooele County, what it does. <laughs> and the year ended, and I had to go back home. And that same cloud I had been in followed me. And I continued doing just horrible things. I was living this horrible life of just drinking and smoking and partying. You know, I was living, I was existing, I was still doing school and a job, but I was living in this fog of just numbness. And you now I had a few members of the church who were friends of mine that I'd grown up with who were, you know, ended up being really good friends of mine. And one of them actually ended up living in an apartment right down from mine. And it was a Sunday morning, and I was actually recovering from a hangover of the night before on my couch. And he knocked on my door and came in and was per usual. We usually walked into each other's houses back then. And he informed me that his car had broken down and he needed a ride to church. Classic. <sighs> right? His car wasn't broken. <laughs> Just and so I was like, fine. Just, just no. I'm, oh, you're lucky I love you. So, okay, I'll give you a ride. And, you know, we hopped in my truck. And I was, I was like, how far can the church be? I can hit three rocks with the church from my front porch. So, like, and his church ended up being, like, three miles away. So we're like, is it that one? No. That one? No. That, how about the two that are sharing the same parking lot? No. <laughs> Where is your church, man? And so we finally get there. And by the time we got there, I was not feeling good. Of course, you know, as I said, I was still a little drunk. And I'm like, look, I don't want to have to go back home and come back in three hours to pick you up. I'm just not filling up to it. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to come inside. I'm going to sit down on the pew. And I'm going to close my eyes. And I will be very respectful and quiet. You do your thing. And then when you're ready to go, tap me on the shoulder. We'll and I'll take you back home. And he was like, okay. My friend Lee, he was a little bit of a goober. But he was kind of a sweetheart too back then. Yeah, very nice guy. And... So, okay, we went into the church and I sat down, closed my eyes as I intended. I wasn't listening to the person talking or the, the songs. I was just sitting there quietly. And in that moment, I, I had no explanation for it. My mind, this fog that had been around me for so long, it just cleared. And for the first time in years, I was thinking crystal clearly. And not only was I thinking crystal clearly, I was stone sober. And I had this visceral feeling of this, it was almost like an ooze dripping off of me viscerally, hmm. just flaking away as I was sitting there. And I have swore if I would have opened my eyes, I would have seen it in a puddle around me. And I felt, well, I felt for the first time in years, it was just this beautiful feeling. And I was completely calm. 
And as it, we got ready to leave, and we walked to my truck, and we got in, I looked at my friend and said, it's time. Call over the missionaries. And it is a good thing I was driving because he would have wrecked us <laughs> by his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and I began taking the discussions. And not only did I begin taking the discussions, I had quit drinking, I had quit smoking, I had quit partying. Overnight, cold turkey, I had no issue. I had no repercussion. No withdrawals? None. Wow. I was... Lucky guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had no explanation for it, but I just knew it felt right. You know, and it's interesting because I had grown up to this point, and even during the discussions, I actually had never read the Book of Mormon. And there was a time I remember seeing it on my table, and I looked at it, I was like, and I, I had a little short prayer. I was like, is this true? And I got a yep. I was like, okay. I, I don't suggest this for everybody. <laughs> Read your scriptures, pray on it. But I just knew. I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. That's what it is. It's true. Okay, that's part two. We're 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 ending there abruptly. Sorry, this is abrupt, but it's we're, we're at your baptism. We're going into mm -hmm. the baptism. This is where it gets interesting. It's oh just boy. getting interesting now. Okay, great. <laughs> Join us again for part three coming out at an unknown time. <laughs> At some point. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.